Maken Carlson's Diary Chapter 22 More About the Huguenots October 17, 1580 Mother sometimes says we have not many bright days in Holland, that our skies are often dull and overcast for days together, and cold winds from the north bring winter early. I think she misses the glorious sunshine and the scent-laden breezes of her girlhood's home in Spain. But to me it seems as if the sun was always shining, we are so happy, not only in our family circle, but in seeing everywhere tokens of the loving-kindness of the Lord. The university is making itself a felt power for good throughout the land, the number of students who have openly confessed Christ is larger this year than it has ever been and several who have finished their studies and returned to their homes as doctors, lawyers, or pastors of reformed churches, are doing splendid work for the master they love and serve. Paul writes often, his letters are always bright and cheerful, and while he does not try to hide that he is often exposed to danger from the spies and servants of the Inquisition, he rejoices in his wonderful God-given opportunities of making the glad tidings known, and thinks there are quite a little band of students, perhaps six or eight in number, who, when the test comes, as it may any day, will not be afraid to witness boldly for Christ. Letters from our brethren and sisters in the faith who left their country and homes during the dark days when the terrible Inquisition was in power, tell of prosperity, both spiritual and temporal. Sandwich, where so many of our most skilled weavers and cloth workers have set up their looms, begins, they write, to have a very homelike look, and might easily be mistaken for a Dutch or Flemish town. Quite a colony of French silk weavers have been encouraged by Queen Elizabeth to settle in Spitalfields, while many more are living and working at Canterbury, and are even allowed to hold their services in one part of the great cathedral, where, Father says, an Archbishop, Thomas a Becket, was murdered in the year 1170. But while we are rejoicing, we must not, would not forget those who are still suffering. The French Protestants, or Huguenots as they are often called, are passing through dark and troublous times. They have little or no liberty to worship God according to the simple teaching of His Word, while fresh edicts make it more and more difficult to get their living in France, and yet they are forbidden to leave the country, any found attempting to do so or to be punished, not only by fines and loss of property, but by being thrown into prison, or sent to the galleys, or chained to thieves and murderers, they will be forced to work, some for many years, others till death sets them free. Protestants are not allowed to hold any public office, they cannot be doctors, lawyers, or professors in the colleges, while Protestant teachers in public and private schools are to be imprisoned if they attempt to teach the children anything but reading, writing, and arithmetic. Even carpenters, shoemakers, and vine dressers are to be refused employment unless they conform. Bribes, too, are freely used, but from all we hear, those who accept them are such as have never had any real love for God and His Word. Henry of Navarre will, it is thought, soon come to the throne as Henry IV of France. But even those who love him best know that for a long time his professed attachment to the faith of the Bible has been wavering, and it now seems almost certain that, sooner or later, he will go over to the Roman Catholics. He is a brave soldier, and his natural disposition is kind and generous, but if he was a Protestant only to please his mother, it does not seem unlikely that he may turn Roman Catholic to please his wife's relations. Father says it will not do to act upon the faith of others, we must each have to do with God for ourselves, and I believe he is right. Fathers and mothers in France are having a sad, anxious time, for if children, even little boys and girls of only seven years old, can be induced to enter a Roman Catholic church, or to say they wish to be Roman Catholics, the priests and nuns have power to take them away from their parents and send them to a convent school, where their parents are forced to pay for their board and education. While in some parts of France quite a number of children have been stolen from their homes, some never.
being heard of again, while others were discovered shut up in convents. And yet in spite of all these cruel and unjust laws great numbers have succeeded in leaving the country. The story of some of these escapes seems really wonderful. One can only say they must have been hidden by God himself from those who sought their hurt. Few of these stories have, I think, interested me more deeply than that of a Huguenot family who, though in comfortable circumstances, finding that there was no hope of being allowed to live quiet, peaceable lives in their own loved country, determined to leave all rather than give up their faith. They were able to conceal some money and several articles of value in quilted silk petticoats, made by the mother and her daughters, these they sent to England. They knew escape would be impossible if they remained together, so the two elder sons were the first to leave the country, and reached England in safety, there remained both parents, one daughter, a girl of sixteen, and two little boys, aged four and six years. Some hasty preparations for their flight were made, but at the last moment the father was betrayed and taken to prison. His wife and daughter visited him in prison, when he begged them with tears to get away as quickly as possible, adding that he still hoped one day to be able to join them on English soil. That night his wife, wearing a disguise, and attended by a faithful manservant, set out for the nearest port, which she reached in safety, there she arranged with the master of a sailing vessel for passages for her three children and herself, the servant then went back to fetch them, while she remained hidden in the house of a friend till they could join her. On his return the daughter dressed herself as a peasant girl going to market, her next care was to put her little brothers each into a large basket or pannier slung across the back of a donkey, after covering them up carefully with fruit and vegetables she put some poultry in a basket on the top. The little boys had been told that whatever happened they must not speak or cry, as if they were discovered they could never hope to see either father or mother again. The servant, in the dress of a country farmer, rode on horseback a little in advance of the others. It had been arranged that he should not take any more notice of his young mistress than if she had been a perfect stranger, but he took good care not to lose sight of his charge. They generally traveled by night, hiding in the woods during the day, but as they made only slow progress, when they got near the end of their journey they began to be afraid that the captain of the vessel would not be willing to wait longer for them, so were obliged to hurry on during the day. They were met by a party of soldiers, who stopped the donkey and asked the girl what she had in the panniers. Before she had time to reply one of them thrust his sword into the basket in which the youngest child lay concealed, but not hearing a sound, thought all was right and turning his horse's head galloped off, followed by the whole troop. As soon as they were out of sight, with trembling hands and a quickly beating heart the brave girl threw off the covering, half expecting to find only the dead body of her brother, but he held up his arms to her, they were covered with blood. He had received a deep sword cut in one of them. His sister bounded up and soothed and petted him as well as circumstances would allow. That night they were with their mother. Soon after they were on board the ship in which their passages had been taken. How glad and thankful they must have been when, with all her sails set to catch the breeze, the ship was well out at sea. They reached England safely, where friends gave them a loving welcome. It is some years since this happened, but the father has not been able to join them, all they can learn about him is that he is still a prisoner. But though many French Protestants did succeed in leaving the country, finding homes in England, Holland and Germany, great numbers failed in their attempt to reach one of the ports. Two young ladies of noble family, who, though they had grown up surrounded by all the comforts and many of the luxuries of life, decided that it was better to forsake all than to deny Christ, disguised as boys, set out in company with three Protestant gentlemen, hoping to reach the coast. Their way lay under dripping trees, along rough and broken roads, and through thick forests, still they kept bravely on for some days, 
but being at last so pressed by hunger that they were obliged to enter a town in the hope of being able to buy a little food, they were all arrested and taken to prison. The prison was crowded, but on finding among their fellow prisoners several Huguenots, they wept for joy. On making their secret known to the jailer, he removed the young ladies to a separate cell, but all that we have been able to learn about them is, that after being tried before the judges they were sent to a convent.